0: Next to a declaration of war, impeachment, arguably the heaviest power that the, the House has. House Democrats cheapened impeachment. <laughs> they, they used it for partisan political purposes.
1: Well, we hate to see anyone using impeachment for partisan purposes. Am I right, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right. No, I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Stairs. Clowns to the left of me,
0: jokers to the right. Here I am stuck I am. in the middle with you.
1: I am. From Pacifica Radio, in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN, Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. And it is thrilling. We'll see about that. (laughs) Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, This uh, breaking just minutes before airtime here, the uh, Senate in a single stroke on Tuesday, approved about 425 military promotions after Senator Tommy Tuberville of of Alabama ended a months-long blockade of nominations over his opposition to a Pentagon abortion policy. Uh, A policy, by the way, that these men and women of the armed forces had absolutely nothing to do with, and yet he held up their promotions for months because he loves the military. Tuberville had been under mounting pressure from members of both sides of the political aisle to end his ridiculous holds that was uh, reportedly causing all sorts of chaos within the armed forces as senators from, again, both parties complained about the toll that it was taking on service members and their families and on military readiness. You remember that the thing that Republicans used to pretend they were very, very concerned about.
0: Pretend being the operative word here.
1: Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York said, quote, thank God these military officers will now get the promotion they so rightfully earned. Not sure that God had anything to do with it, but I, too, am glad they're getting the promotion they uh, deserve. Uh, So, you know, really, Tommy Tuberville, senator, would be better suited in the U.S. House, it seems to me, where he'd have, you know, plenty of other performative dopes and dupes to hang out with. So, uh, speaking of which, <clears throat> according to GOP House Speaker Mike Johnson on Tuesday, the U.S. House will now vote next week on formalizing authorization of its impeachment inquiry. Into President Joe Biden, asserting Republicans have, quote, no choice but to push ahead as the White House has rebuffed their requests for information. I don't think they used to care about White House's rebuffing uh, requests for information from Congress. Suddenly they do. Johnson and the rest of the Republican leadership team had been contemplating in recent weeks whether to hold a formal vote on their months long inquiry into the president, which You'll recall the previous House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, had just announced was now underway. It has uh, centered on the business dealings of other family members uh, other than Joe Biden, even as their investigation so far has yet to produce any direct evidence of wrongdoing by Joe Biden himself. As AP reports, Johnson said the House needs to exercise its authority to to the uh, fullest amid a standoff with the White House over requests for information related to Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. Quote, the House has no choice, said Johnson, uh, if it's going to follow its constitutional responsibility to formally adopt an impeachment inquiry on the floor so that when the subpoenas are challenged in court, we will be at the apex of our constitutional authority. Johnson told reporters the White House has repeatedly dismissed the inquiry as a, quote, baseless exercise meant to appease right wing lawmakers, which is true. But it is also payback for Donald Trump being impeached twice for actual crimes. So Trump has insisted that his uh, apparatchik in the U.S. House uh, pay him back by impeaching the other guy the new guy. Republicans had long said a vote on the impeachment investigation was unnecessary. They didn't have to vote on it, but they began to reconsider when White House lawyers used the lack of formal House authorization in order to argue that the entire investigation lacked constitutional legitimacy. But a vote on the House floor going into a presidential election cycle will amount to a major test of party unity, given the GOP's narrow Uh, Majority in the House. There may be quite a few Republicans in districts that Joe Biden won back in 2020 who may be thinking twice about voting to impeach Joe Biden or have an impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden for something despite any actual evidence of wrongdoing much less impeachable offenses house democrats for their part have removed have remained unified in their opposition to the impeachment process saying it is a farce used by the gop to take attention away from former donald uh, former president donald trump and his legal woes oh does he have legal woes right now johnson on tuesday dismissed concerns that he wouldn't be able to Rally his vulnerable members to support moving forward with the inquiry. He emphasized that the House is not voting to impeach Biden, only to continue to investigate whether or not to impeach Biden. Quote All the moderates in our conference understand this is not a political decision. Johnson said this is a legal decision, this is a constitutional decision, and whether someone is for or against impeachment. Well, that is of no import right now.
0: Oh, sure. And, of course, there are some Republican congressmen who are saying the quiet part out loud. USA Today published a report uh, interviewing Republican lawmaker Troy Nels of Texas. Never heard of him. Who said if Trump, who has been impeached twice, is the 2024 Republican nominee, Nels says he wants to give Trump, quote, a little bit of ammo to fire back (laughs) so Republicans can say, well, look, Biden's also been impeached.
1: So you're saying this is a political matter, not a constitutional or legal matter, as uh, Johnson says?
0: That's what Troy Nels is saying, and he's a Republican House member.
1: Yeah, well, the Speaker of the House says we have to continue our legal responsibility, and that is solely what this vote is about. So, as House Republicans are now preparing to vote for an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden for something... Still not clear what exactly, but uh, Hunter Biden something something Joe Biden impeachment. (laughs) That's how that will work. On Monday, House Republicans, in this case, led by House Oversight Committee chair and super genius James Comer of Kentucky, dropped a big new bombshell about corruption between the president's son Hunter and evidence of money laundering and or influence peddling from China. To the President of the United States. Very powerful evidence, they argued, to support the need for their call for an impeachment of this president. Not in any way an attempt at a revenge impeachment in response to the previous guy being impeached twice for actual crimes, but you know, the Washington Post reported this bombshell new evidence from House Republicans this way. As House Republicans move toward a floor vote to authorize an impeachment inquiry against President Biden, House Oversight uh, Chairman James Comer has again mischaracterized evidence of payments from Hunter Biden to his father. That is the very first sentence of this report from Washington Post. In an email to reporters, a spokesperson for Comer claimed that the House Oversight Committee, which is investigating Biden, had obtained bank records. Revealing that Hunter Biden's law firm, Owasco PC, which had received payments from China state linked companies, actually made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. Well, that sounds very bad. A a law firm doing business with companies that have ties to China is Making direct monthly payments to the president of the United States? Well, sounds like you are busted, Crooked Joe. The, uh, the email claimed the payments, quote, are part of a pattern revealing Joe Biden knew about, participated in, and benefited from his family's influence-peddling schemes. Well, there you go. Case closed. I don't know why they're bothering to vote on an impeachment inquiry. They just should be voting straight on impeachment at this point. Now, the three payments of, and I hope you're sitting down, the uh, three payments of $1,380, three of them, that's about $4,000 right there, Ooh, occurred, wow. occurred in September and October and November of 2018. Yes, nearly two years after Biden had left the presidency. Okay, but hey, maybe they were payments for all the corruption that Joe Biden carried out for China on their behalf while he was in office. Well, apparently not. As The Post reports, uh, they were actually payments for a 2018 Ford Raptor truck that Joe Biden had purchased Uh, that Hunter Biden was using, according to a post-forensic analysis of the issue. As Hunter Biden's attorney noted in a statement in response to this latest bombshell, quote, There Chairman Comer goes again, trying to revive his sham of an investigation. The truth, he said, is Hunter's father helped him, with a truck loan when he was struggling financially due to his addiction and could not secure credit to finance a truck. When Hunter was able, he paid his father back and took over the payments himself. According to the Post, Joe Biden signed for the truck and had it in his name at a time when Hunter was in the depths of addiction, had a low credit score, and could not make the purchase himself. (laughs) That's it. That's what these three payments of $1,380 apparently are for. Paying Joe Biden back for the money that Joe Biden put out in the first place.
0: Paying your dad back for helping you buy a car. Other mm, that's scandalous.
1: Uh, other expenses listed in the email, verified by the Post, which Hunter Biden's father helped him with, apparently, include payments for health insurance, college, high school tuition for Hunter Biden's children, Uh, That would be Joe Biden's grandchildren and a storage unit. So wait, wait a minute. Joe just gave all that money to Hunter rather than received it through laundered influence peddling from China using Hunter's firm as a conduit to pay off Joe Biden. What? The spokesman for the uh, oversight committee used the fact that the payments came from one of Hunter Biden's accounts that also included money from a Chinese energy conglomerate to suggest something more various than they have proved so far as the post gently characterized it. The spokesman for Comer's committee said, quote, There is now a pattern of members of the Biden family using their bank accounts that have been funded by Chinese and other foreign entities to send money to Joe Biden. Oh, man, they. They got these guys dead to rights, don't they? <laughs> Based on witness testimony, the spokesperson said, Joe Biden knew and participated in his family's influence-peddling schemes. The checks and payments we've uncovered reveal Joe Biden benefited from them. Now, in this case, the checks and payments the committee has uncovered we're actually uncovered by the Rupert Murdoch-owned New York Post rag almost two years ago. As the uh, ranking Democrat on the House Oversight Committee, Congressman Jamie Raskin, noted, the New York Post reported those very car payments back in April of 2022 and reported them, yes, as car payments back then. For a 2018 Ford truck, a used truck at that point, three payments, $1,380 that Joe Biden had put out and his son had paid him back for. Even Murdoch's Wall Street Journal on Monday could barely disguise their uh, snark in their headline. They headline their coverage of this explosive allegation on Monday as, quote, GOPC's skullduggery in hunter biden paying his father back for truck <laughs> nonetheless even after it was known that these were car payments that were you know paid back to biden james comer the guy overseeing all of this yes seemingly uh, a literal witch hunt i guess he went on uh, Newsmax TV and defended these uh, this this bombshell uh, report anyway his grave concerns about these $4,000 in car loan repayments from Joe Biden's own son. You can loan people money. If they pay you back, then you you benefited directly from the influence peddling Okay, now what he says there at the end what he's calling it there he it's conveniently garbled uh, his own words is uh, you can you can loan people money if they pay you back then you benefited directly from this influence peddling. <laughs> That's what he called it. You can sort of hear it here. You can loan people money. If they pay you back, then you you benefited directly from the influence peddling. Influence peddling peddling scheme, (laughs) I think he said there at the end. So it's influence peddling in, in the Republican Congress to pay your dad back for loan payments for helping you to buy a car. Now as to the fact that this was uh, these pay- these were payments from his own son paying him back for a car loan, well, Comer has an answer to that as well. So it was no skin off Joe Biden's yeah. back. You know, when my son needs help or my daughter who's in college needs help, I just give her money. Nobody ever pays me back. So I guess he doesn't believe them uh, that that's what these were for, that these three payments of about a thousand dollars were the really their their payoffs from China? laundered through Hunter Biden's law firm to Joe Biden for $4,000 over three months. Really? By the way, uh, Comer, who says, you know, my kids, they never pay me back if I give them something. Well, Comer's uh, two kids are both teenagers. (laughs) Hunter Biden was in his 50s with kids in college himself and struggling with addiction and bad credit at the time that he needed to buy a used truck. As the Post goes on to note, Comer has consistently oversold or misrepresented the committee's investigative findings as he has argued to initiate impeachment proceedings. Last month, for example, Comer trumpeted a $200,000—well, that's more like $200,000, that sounds corrupt—a $200,000 loan repayment that Joe Biden received from his brother James. Yes, Joe loaned James $200,000, and James paid Joe back the following month. Clearly, that's influence peddling scheme. (laughs) Paying him back the same amount that he loaned him in the first place. I say impeach. Comer sought to paint the personal check from the president's brother in nefarious terms. According to the Post, uh, alleging without evidence that it showed that Joe Biden had indirectly received payments from his family's foreign business dealings or something, something, something impeach. When presented with a bank record of the wire payment that showed the $200,000 payment to Joe Biden to I'm sorry, to James Biden, that it had originated from the president's attorney trust account. Comer baselessly accused the law firm representing Joe Biden of money laundering. So, uh, you know, get used to it. Uh, We don't spend a lot of time uh, chasing down each and every one of these bombshell reports from uh, Republicans about corruption by Joe Biden or at least his family or something. Uh, But... uh, you know, they're going to vote on an impeachment inquiry next week. So I just wanted to give you a sense of the sort of thing that is coming out that they're claiming they is necessary for, for all of this. It's, yeah.
0: And you can help set your friends and family straight who may be confused about what the actual uh, subjects are
1: here. Confusion is the whole point. Yes. If you confuse people, if they don't know what it is, that sounds bad. While well, he was receiving monthly payments... From a law firm tied to China? That sounds bad. But this is the kind of nonsense we're all going to be forced to hear a whole lot about over the coming months if Republicans are actually dumb enough to move forward with a, an official impeachment inquiry, much less an actual impeachment of Joe Biden, as what it is payback for Trump being held accountable for two different impeachment proceedings in which, by the way, a Senate majority found him guilty both times, including the second time for his January 6 incitement of insurrection at the U.S. Capitol by a 57 to 43 bipartisan majority of U.S. senators, senators. After a trial that included seven Republicans agreeing that, yes, Trump was guilty. So perhaps, you know, it's this kind of nonsense that's driving even very far right. Uh, if, you know, well, not completely insane Republican congressman to an early retirement, such as last month, Ken Buck of Colorado, the longtime far-right Tea Party Freedom Caucus champion, who says that even he has had enough. He's getting out. He cited, quote, insidious narratives, unquote, that are being forwarded by his party about fraud in the 2020 election and their failure to condemn the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, said Buck, uh, quote, too many Republican leaders are lying to America, claiming that the 2020 election was stolen, describing January 6th as an unguided tour of the Capitol and asserting that the ensuing prosecutions are, are a weaponization of our entire justice system. That's what Buck said. Ken Buck far-right Tea Partier. That's what he said when he announced that he would not be running for another term in his very Republican district next year. He wants no part of this nonsense. Well, another far-right, powerful, if not wholly insane Republican House member on Tuesday announced that he, too, is calling it quits. Republican Congressman Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. The one with the bow tie. The one with the bow tie announced Tuesday that he will not seek re-election in 2024, which is, uh, according to NBC, a shocking move to many of his colleagues that will further thin the ranks of Republican institutionalists in Congress. He plans to finish out his two-year term, he said in a statement, writing, there is a season for everything and for me This season has come to an end. Well, it'll come to an end next year, but you get the point. (laughs) Actually, the year after, in 25 of January 25. But anyway, you get the point. Um, The uh, 48-year-old McHenry became the chair of the powerful House Financial Services Committee at the beginning of the year before he gained national attention during his three-week stint in October of this year as House Speaker pro tempore, yes, the guy with the bow tie, after Republicans ousted Congressman Kevin, then Speaker, Kevin McCarthy of California from that position. That guy. He's the guy who is quitting. Elected in 2004, McHenry began his congressional career as a partisan rabble-rouser, but over time transformed into an ally of Republican leadership and secured the position of Chief Deputy Whip under two separate House Speakers. Despite his solidly conservative positions and voting record, McHenry is seen on Capitol Hill as a pragmatist and widely respected in both parties, so of course he's got to go. He sought to be a voice of reason earlier this year. You can't have that by urging Republicans not to force a first in the history of the nation default on the U.S. debt. Well, that was crazy talk. During the Speaker battle, McHenry was cited by Democratic leaders as the sort of GOP lawmaker who they would trust uh, enough to work with, but he emphatically rejected overtures to consider that position himself. Perhaps he knew he was getting the hell out. McHenry's impending departure is now the latest move in a years-long exodus among moderate and institutionalist Republicans. Yeah, McHenry was not moderate. He was institutionalist. Uh, An an exodus of these uh, folks from Capitol Hill, a trend that took hold in the Barack Obama presidency and accelerated in the era of Donald Trump, with Trump leading the GOP primary polls for his presidential comeback bid, That trend, notes NBC, shows no sign of slowing down. And hey, uh, speaking of Donald Trump and the Donald Trump era, actually, not slowing down, I got a correction. I got a correction to something I said on yesterday's show. Uh, Yesterday, I noted that long-shot Republican presidential candidate and billionaire South Dakota Governor Doug Burgum had ducked out of the GOP presidential race that I quipped I had suspected most people did not even know that he was running in. Well, I suspect uh, that, that is right, because I, I didn't even get one complaint from listeners about the fact that I misreported Doug Bergham as the governor of South Dakota oh. <laughs> when, he's, when he's actually the governor of North Dakota. So I had to actually count on me here because nobody corrected me, not even you, Desi Doyen. (laughs) I didn't
0: even, I I, I still didn't even know who he was really still. (laughs) It was
1: was me in the middle of the night. I suddenly said to myself, wait, (laughs) did I call him the governor of South Dakota on today's show? And then I woke up and I reviewed it this morning to find out, yeah, actually I did. I called him (laughs) the governor. My apologies for that error and, of course, to uh, North Carolina's governor, Doug Burgum. You didn't I even that. notice, did I you? Heard okay, that. I yeah, heard no. That. I, North Dakota's governor, uh, Doug Burgum. Either way, he dropped out of the race in advance of this week's uh, fourth so called GOP presidential primary debate, where frontrunner Donald Trump will not even be attending once again. So I'm not sure why we call it a presidential primary debate. I'm not even sure why we cover it.
0: Well, um, like, as so- I said yesterday, it's a chance to make jokes.
1: There you go. And any chance, we will take it. Uh, anyway, so who who will be in this uh, fourth so-called GOP presidential primary debate? Well, I know it's the big news that everyone here has been waiting for this week. The uh, RNC announced on Monday night that four candidates now have qualified to make the stage for the fourth GOP presidential primary debate, or at least what we're calling that uh, since the... You know, the leading GOP presidential candidate will once again not even be appearing there. And for some reason, we will all play along. We'll call it a presidential primary debate. We'll even have special coverage here on the broadcast. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's a chance to make jokes. Uh, Qualifying for this one, however, according to the RNC, is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. ambassador and governor to South Carolina Nikki Haley. Uh, So-called entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, yes, he's still in the game and uh, former and I and I suspect Nikki Haley may actually punch him this time. (laughs) Maybe I'm just wish casting. Uh, And yes, uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, uh, he's still in the hunt for some reason rather than. Frankly, dropping out and endorsing Nikki Haley, which is what he would do if he really wanted to help make sure that Donald Trump did not become the next president as he claims he really wants. He would just get behind Nikki Haley. But I guess there's uh, not as much fame and, and fortune in doing that, at least not yet. The four candidates will take the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Wednesday night. Uh, at uh, 8, I think it's 8 p.m. Yes. 8 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time. The uh, quote, uh, the fourth debate is another fantastic opportunity for our Republican candidates to share our winning agenda with the American people. RNC Chair Ronna Romney McDaniel said in an hilarious statement. The two-hour debate will indeed kick off 8 p.m. on Wednesday from Tuscaloosa. It'll be hosted by Uh, The Hill's sister news organization called News Nation. It'll be moderated by Elizabeth Vargas and Megyn Kelly. Yes, apparently she is still around since famously bleeding from the wherever during the 2016 presidential debate, according to Donald Trump at the time. People who want to uh, watch that debate for some reason can try to find News Nation on your local cable or dish network, uh, or you can go to their website to sign up and stream the event if you really want to see it. Or you can just wait until the next day and we'll try to let you know everything you need to know about it in our special coverage with uh, Digby and Driftglass again. Yes. So there you go. Uh, things, by the way, uh, heading into this uh, new debate do not look good for Ron DeSantis. Three senior members of a super PAC backing the Florida governor left the group On Saturday, top members, uh, the latest sign of instability within the 2024 hopefuls political operation just six weeks before the Iowa Republican caucuses. Kristen Davison backed down from the never back down pack just after she took over leading the group following the departure of CEO Chris Jankowski less than two weeks earlier. Also backing down on Saturday from the Never Back Down pack were the group's communications director and director of operations kind of, you know, important positions, especially for this pack, which had carried the bulk of DeSantis's presidential organizing duties and advertising loads since he announced his candidacy in May, according to AP. The shakeup of its leadership comes as DeSantis is under growing pressure to. Cut into former Donald Trump's huge leads in Iowa and nationally, and more voters and donors are considering backing the campaign of Nikki Haley. DeSantis's campaign, in a somewhat unusual arrangement, has relied heavily on Never Back Down for basic campaign functions, though the two sides cannot directly coordinate, legally anyway. Under uh, federal campaign finance rules, for example, of the 99 counties that DeSantis visited in Iowa, he's putting everything into Iowa, Uh, he appeared in 92 of them at Never Back Down events, according to the group's schedule. So they can't coordinate... But DeSantis can just happen to show up at 92 of their events in one single state. That sounds totally legit.
0: Well, I'm sure he just follows them on social media so he figures out where to show
1: up. (laughs) There you go. Jankowski, the group's former CEO, who the now-quit, now-backed-down Kristen Davison had replaced, was among those who helped initially conceive of the outsized role for the super PAC. He backed down on November 22nd. Former Nevada Attorney General Adam Laxalt, who had been board chairman for the group, he backed down last Friday. A lot of people backing down at the Never Back Down PAC. The super PAC was seeded with more than $80 million from DeSantis' political accounts this spring. But once he became a formal candidate, and this should explain one of the reasons he took so long to formally declare that he was running... Once he formally did, DeSantis and his campaign were legally prohibited from having any direct control over the group or their money. Never Back Down has more staff working in Iowa than any campaign or super PAC, and they have been organizing ahead of the precinct-level caucuses since June of this year. Much of that work goes on unabated, despite the shakeups at the top. The group said in an emailed statement, quote, never back down has the most organized, advanced caucus operation of anyone in the 2024 primary field. And we look forward to continuing that great work to help elect Governor DeSantis, the next president of the United States, at least until they back down. All right, let's take a quick break here, and uh, since I briefly mentioned the Republican Party's Insidious narratives of election fraud, as Ken uh, Ken Buck described it. Uh, Looks like we actually found some of that insidious election fraud. And as always, you will be shocked to learn which party is behind it. Again, anyway, those stories, two of them, Our next on the Bradcast, plus our one and only Green News report this week. Yep. That, thanks to our special coverage (laughs) of the Republicans' latest (laughs) stupid presidential primary debate. That's all ahead on today's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Just a quick thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi Doyen and I stay on your public airwaves, you're the only thing that keeps us on those public airwaves. We don't rely on uh, corporate support or political support. We rely on you and your support is needed now more than ever at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. <laughs> This California, you can tell by the desert sun.
0: And in Tombstone, Arizona, the bona fide law
1: is the barrel of a buntline gun. Actually, no, it's not. Even even in Tombstone, Arizona, which is in Cochise County, as it turns out, the bona fide law turns out to be a superior court in Maricopa County Along with the state's attorney general. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. All right. In, in recent years, for some odd reason, you know, we've had to discuss quite a bit on this show how Republicans are looking for any excuse they can find to declare an election to be invalid, even when there is no such excuse for doing so, no evidence of fraud. They don't care. But apparently, Now that Democrats are back in charge in Arizona at the state level, well, apparently they care. Officials in a rural Arizona county who delayed canvassing the 2022 general election results last year have been criminally charged, according to the state's top prosecutor last week. A grand jury in Maricopa County Superior Court has indicted Cochise County Supervisors Peggy Judd, and Tom Crosby on one count each of conspiracy and interference of an election officer in Cochise County, by by the way, which is where Tombstone is, as it turns out. I was going to play that uh, standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, but I realized that, <laughs> Wrong was, in, county. that was in Navajo County. <laughs> And after that whole North Dakota, South Dakota thing, I'm sort of, uh, you know, gun shy at making mistakes. Anyway, a quote, the repeated attempts to undermine our democracy are unacceptable, said Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays, a Democrat, in a statement. She says, I took an oath to uphold the rule of law and my office will continue to enforce Arizona's election laws and support our election officials as they carry out the duties and responsibilities of their offices. Of course, she is not supporting these officials. Dennis Willenchick, an attorney for Crosby, one of the two indicted, called the indictment, quote, nothing but political partisanship. In a statement, he promised a vigorous defense for what he called baseless charges. He referred to both the interference and conspiracy charges as, quote, nonsensical. Jane Montgomery, spokesperson for Cochise County, declined to comment. She confirmed both supervisors will in fact be responsible for their own legal representation in this case. In other words, whatever they're accused of doing, the county is not willing to stand behind them with their own county attorneys, it would seem. The indictment marks a rare instance of criminally prosecuting people connected to the vote canvassing being dragged out last year in six different Arizona counties. It also suggests that there could be more such indictments for others still to come in some of those other counties that did something similar. So what actually happened here? Well, as AP describes it, in December of 2022, Cochise County certified election results but only after a judge had to rule that Crosby and Judd both Republicans were breaking the law by refusing to sign off on the vote count uh, in time for the state's statutory deadline Crosby and Judd said that they they were not satisfied that the voting machines used to or the the tabulating tabulating machines used to tabulate the results they were not satisfied that those systems were properly certified for use in elections so they weren't claiming that there was any sort of fraud or error in uh, in programming uh, or a miscount of the results by these systems in this very Republican county.
0: So they were just basically saying we don't want to do this because the machines from the were already certified and well, we disagree they, that they, they should
1: have well, been. Well, under state law, they seem they were claiming that the, the the tabulation systems and the voting systems that were used in in Cochise that they were no longer certified for use. That their certification had expired or something. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. As far as I was able to tell when I looked into their claims last year, it was not true. Uh, in either case, even if it was true, by the way, it seems like, you know, filing a lawsuit to make that point and to force a new certification of the systems that that would have been the appropriate response rather than simply refusing to certify an uh, election results that by all measures appeared to be accurate. The county uses hand-marked paper ballots that can be tabulated by hand if there's any questions about whether the tabulators, the computer tabulators, uh, you know, were inaccurate or not, but nobody seems to be saying they're inaccurate. They're just saying, well, they, they, they weren't certified properly or anymore or something. Therefore we're not going to certify the results of the election. Well, their delay prompted lawsuits in the county uh, against them, including by the state, from then Secretary of State, now Governor Katie Hobbs, also a Democrat. After the judge's order that the results must be certified last year, Judd joined Ann English, that's the lone Democrat on the three-member Board of Commissioners, in voting to certify the election. Crosby, her, uh, her co-conspirator there, did not attend the meeting, so he didn't have to vote. He didn't have to follow the, the judge's order. Judd and Crosby, the Republicans, were both subpoenaed to court earlier in November. English, the Democrat who didn't try to hold up the results, she was not subpoenaed or indicted, which suggests she probably simply cooperated with prosecutors. At the time of the subpoenas, Judd and Crosby told the AP they had no idea why they were being subpoenaed. Crosby was shocked. She was shocked. I don't feel like I broke the law, she said. But obviously, the courts had different feelings. Last year, election results were certified without issue throughout most of the country. But in Arizona, the six counties hesitated to meet the certification deadline amid pressure from some Republicans, including, of course, then-Republican gubernatorial candidate and loser, Carrie Lake. Democrats ended up winning U.S. Senate, governor, and other statewide races in what has now become the swing state of Arizona. Arizona has been a hotbed of election conspiracies since President Joe Biden in 2020 became only the second Democrat in seven decades to win the state. And so many Republicans have been pretending that the election was stolen from them in Arizona despite any evidence to support that theory, particularly in Arizona, where you recall there was a months-long post-election so-called forensic audit paid for by the state's Republican Senate, in other words, by taxpayers, and carried out by the so-called Cyber Ninjas Group. Remember that? That hand count, theoretically, of all the ballots in Maricopa County, that's the state's largest county by far, it's where Phoenix is, that forensic audit, so-called, found that... In fact, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump by even more than the original tallies, at least if you believe the far-right cyber ninjas who have since gone defunct under one lawsuit following another after that uh, debacle in Maricopa. And with all of that, There is much concern that partisan election officials like the two in Cochise County and the others could interfere with the orderly counting and certification of the votes in next year's presidential election, shaping up to be a rematch of the contentious 2020 contest. So bringing accountability to these people is important. Then, of course, there's the actual election fraud that, you know, Every time we seem to find any of note, at least in recent years, appears to be the the same exact stuff that Republicans claim that Democrats are doing, but are then found to actually be doing themselves.
0: So much projection.
1: I've been trying to get to this story for a week or so. It actually happened while we were off uh, for Thanksgiving. But the wife of a northwestern Iowa County supervisor was convicted, convicted just before the holiday of a scheme to stuff the ballot box in her husband's unsuccessful race for a Republican nomination to run for Congress back in 2020. You know, that year when Joe Biden and the Democrats magically managed to steal the election from Donald Trump somehow without leaving a shred of evidence behind in any state across the country. So the uh, the Sioux, uh, Sioux City Journal... Reports that uh, jurors deliberated just six hours before finding Kim Taylor guilty of 26 counts of providing false information in registering and voting, three counts of fraudulent registration and 23 counts of fraudulent voting. Prosecutors said Taylor, a Vietnam native, approached numerous voters of Vietnamese heritage with limited English comprehension and filled out and signed election forms and ballots on behalf of them and their English-speaking children. They said the scheme was designed to help her husband, Jeremy Taylor, a former Iowa House member, who finished a distant third in the race for the GOP nomination uh, to help him run for Iowa's fourth district congressional seat. Despite that loss in the primary, he ultimately went on to win election to the Woodbury County Board of Supervisors that same year in the fall. Jeremy Taylor, who met his wife while teaching in Vietnam, has not been charged. Is it even conceivable that he did not know about this scheme? By his own wife? He hasn't been charged, but he has been named as an unindicted co-conspirator here. The case remains under investigation by federal prosecutors. Assistant U.S. Attorney Ron Timmidge, one of three prosecutors who presented the federal government's case, said he could not comment on any potential future indictments. Kim Taylor, who remains free pending sentencing, faces up to five years in prison. Five years in prison on each charge, and that's more than 50 of them. Woodbury County election officials became aware of possible voter fraud in—is that voter fraud or is that election fraud? Either way, in September 2020, uh, they became aware of it when two Iowa State University students from Sioux City requested absentee ballots, only to learn that ballots had already been cast in their name. Hmm. So, yeah, that would be election fraud, not voter fraud. Voters didn't apparently do anything wrong here. Uh, That is not good that, you know, these students, somebody voted in their names, but it is an example of how evidence is generally left behind by these crimes. Evidence that is decidedly lacking, for example, in all of Donald Trump's claims to suggest that this sort of thing apparently would have had to have happened uh, tens of thousands of times in about five different states, millions of times, in fact, uh, despite the fact that there is zero evidence to suggest that could possibly have happened back in 2020 in his race. The two students who complained before the election uh, were allowed, by the way, to withdraw those uh, absentee ballots and to cast their own. But Woodbury County Auditor, uh, who is also an election commissioner, kept the fraudulent ballots. And when processing absentee ballots on election night, election workers notified the county auditor that the handwriting on a number of those ballots appeared to be similar. Most voter fraud cases involve one voter casting a single ballot in another person's name, uh, according to the assistant U.S. attorney here who helped prosecute the case. Uh, he said, quote, despite what's in the media, voter fraud is extremely rare. Again, not voter fraud. The voters didn't do anything wrong here but election fraud. It's extremely extremely rare, he said, to have someone vote dozens of times for several people. That is, in fact, rare. And when it happens, as it did, it can also be easy enough to figure out and to find out, as was the case by these Republicans In Iowa, Republicans in Iowa in 2020. By the way, the GOP Iowa caucuses are now just over a month away. Hope you're ready. The Green News Report is up next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. All right, Desi Doyen, some uh, surprisingly, I think, good news coming out of the uh, COP28 conference in Dubai.
0: Yeah, there's Uh, some good stuff. Yeah,
1: along with all the bad, as discussed (laughs) in our latest Green News Report. Climate justice is long overdue.
0: Big breakthrough on loss and damage funding at U.N. climate treaty negotiations in Dubai. If we do not signal... The terminal decline of the fossil fuel era as we know it. We welcome our own terminal. Decline. While the fossil fuel industry works to stop phase-out of fossil fuels. Plus, Biden-EPA's new rule would force removal of all of America's lead water pipes. All
1: of those long-overdue stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment i'm not saying electric cars are bad they have big problems and they don't go far it's okay if you want to go about five miles away from your house but get back quick Ooh, elon's gonna be mad this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen. Big news out of Dubai, I think today. But first, big news out of planet Earth.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's official. November 2023 was the hottest November on record by a wide margin since record keeping began in the mid 1800s. That's according to Japan's Climate Service. It is the sixth month in a row to set a new monthly temperature record. 2023 will be the hottest year on record, according to climate scientists. Thanks a man-made global warming and a robust El Nino, 2024 is likely to be even hotter.
1: At this point, can't you just use the same story and just fill in the new months and the number (laughs) of months and all that? Pretty much. The
0: record for hottest November arrives amid U.N. climate treaty negotiations in Dubai. Called COP28 for short, it is hosted by the president of the United Arab Emirates Oil Company. He sparked an outcry over past comments he'd made disputing the need to phase out Fossil Fuels Entirely But the conference has seen a surge of positive announcements Mm. from countries and the private sector. More than 100 countries signed on to global pledges to cut emissions of methane, a powerful climate-warming gas, and they pledged to triple renewable energy deployment by 2030.
1: Well, I guess you should apologize for being so pessimistic about this conference.
0: And more than 130 countries, including the U.S., committed to reduce emissions from the agriculture sector. Cow farts. A major contributor. Contributor to global warming for the first time ever. But climate diplomacy experts note pledges are welcome but must be followed by sustained action. Fifty major oil companies representing about half of global production pledged to reach near zero methane emissions from their own operations by 2030, but none agreed to reduce their hydrocarbon production. Critics panned the pledge because it is not binding and it omits the vast majority of the industry's emissions, which are released when their product is burned. Another task at the COP28 is the global stock take, a process where all countries report on their progress, what they've done and what they need to do to get on track to limit man-made global warming to 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius. No country is on track. But the toughest issue by far is the future of fossil fuels, if countries will, for the first time, agree to phase out the use of coal, oil, and natural gas, the primary cause of global warming. That is deeply opposed by oil-producing nations like Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and Russia. But UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres was blunt.
1: The 1.5 degree limit is only possible if we ultimately stop burning all fossil fuels. Not reduce, not abate, phase out with a clear time frame aligned with 1.5 degrees. Good luck with that.
0: A big breakthrough, an agreement to operationalize the Critical Loss and Damage Fund, in which rich countries help vulnerable developing countries with the costs they are suffering from climate disasters. The U.N. says initial funding of nearly $500 million, however, is just a fraction of what's needed to address the annual cost of climate disasters. Germany and the UAE pledged $100 million to the fund. The U.S. was criticized for a modest pledge of just $17 million. Oh,
1: man. You can't buy a house in Los Angeles for $17 million.
0: But Vice President Kamala Harris was in Dubai to announce that the U.S. will deliver another $3 billion, more than any other country, to the Green Climate Fund, the primary finance vehicle to help developing nations shift to clean energy and adapt to climate impact. Well, that's good. Harris also announced strict new rules dramatically cracking down on methane emissions from the U.S. oil oil and gas sector and finally, some really big news here in the U.S. The Biden Environmental Protection Agency unveiled new clean water standards that would force the removal of all 9 million lead water pipes across the country, funded by President Biden's infrastructure law. Lead is a neurotoxin that can cause irreversible brain damage, especially in children. Environmental health advocates called the new rule a game changer for children's health.
1: It is indeed Joe Biden getting the lead out for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.
0: Let's go. Mayor, get the lead out. Governor.
1: Paint, lead in the soil, yeah. lead in the pipes, yeah. lead in the water, yeah. lead in our sons, yeah. lead in our yes. learning disabilities. Yeah, man, there you sure. go. Finally, he's <laughs> getting the lead out. Indeed, uh, it's been
0: many, many years in the making. It'll
1: take 10 years to happen, but you know, it's got to happen. Got to start somewhere. Thank exactly. you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there. That is thanks to those of you kind enough to consider hitting one of those donate buttons at Bradblog.com or just going straight to Bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves as we head into another critical uh, presidential election year. What? Me anxious? Anyway, uh, that's it. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks, mastodons, and sites, still known as Twitter. I am the Brad Blog. Come follow and share us there, please. All right. Uh, that's it. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Mayor,
0: get the lead out. Governor, get the lead out. Senator, get the lead out. Let's get the lead out.